Scrooge Sunday. Long ago. Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House for another edition of Scrooge Sunday, and today we are flying back to 1978 to revisit Rankin Bass's crack at a Christmas carol, The Stingiest Man in Town. I am your ghost host of Christmases Past and Present, Mike Westfall. And joining me once again is Hobo Insect taking a break from rockin' and rollin' all week long, Michael May. Hello, Michael. Holly ho! Holly ho ho! <laughs> and the scariest door knocker in all of Scroogedom, it's Michael Di Giovanni. Hello, Dijo. Hello, Mike. Thanks for having me again, but I will warn you, if you think I'd be merry and chirp like a canary, then you are even dumber than a dung bug. But when you say Merry Christmas, I'll say nonsense, fiddlesticks, poppycock, and uh, something else I can't remember. <laughs> Warning taken. So this, this one was more difficult for me to find in the wild, which surprises me because one, it's a Rankin-Bass Christmas Carol, and two, it's a pretty darn good one. I am going to echo that. I, this was a real challenge to try to find online. It, it You can't find... It's not streaming anywhere. Nope. It's not on the YouTubes or the Daily Motions and such. It was a bit of a Indiana Jones effort to uncover <laughs> this. I know that uh, it's out on a DVD with a bunch of the Rankin-Bass super rarities, like uh, uh, Little Drummer Boy Book 2, which also existed and is on my to-do list. But Oh, wow. And I do know this one's an old favorite of yours, Michael May. Yeah, this is. I have a, a DVD. It actually, I, this episode kind of flips the disc on this DVD that I have because it has uh, The Grinch and it has Pinocchio and it's got the leprechauns. And then the last thing on it is Stingiest Man in Town. So um, I'm happy that I've covered or uh, gotten to cover all three of those for those. I can't count with both of you guys. <laughs> you know what I this, I think we reference that DVD collection every time the three of us get together. And right. I, <laughs> and I and I had that now that you're saying it, but the problem is with me now is I I do not have any means to watch a DVD. Oh no. Oh. So I I have it, but I ha I can't watch it. So I had to try to find it online. And like you said, uh Mr. Westfall, it's Kind of a hard one to find. It is, and I'm surprised because all the other Rankin-Bass stuff out there is... I wonder if it's because... So The Stingiest Man in Town debuted December 23rd, 1978 on NBC. Uh, what I didn't know until Michael May first wrote about this one quite a few years back was that it's a remake of another Christmas Carol adaptation... That was part of NBC's The Alcoa Hour in 1956, starring Basil Rathbone. Yeah. The girls and boys would dream about St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas? Ridiculous. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that it's a remake of that and there's some kind of lingering copyright issues that someone other than Rankin-Bass or whatever is going after that. 
and just leaving the other more popular ones linger on YouTube? It's a good question because, like, the songs are com- like straight out of that old version. And I don't, I don't even know if they credit like the original writers of these songs. They do. Uh, um, or do they good? Yeah, that's good. But, uh, but yeah, so these are not original Rankin Bass um, songs. So I like it. Maybe, maybe it has something to do with it. I don't know. Could be. Uh, the songs are all the same. And Fred Spielman, who wrote the songs for the original, gets the credit here. Though the rest of the writing of the rest of the special is attributed to Romeo Muller. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. One thing unique to this version is the narrator, a talking insect named B.A.H. Humbug. Insert groan here. (laughs) (laughs) Voiced by Happy Days Patriarch Tom Bosley. Who am I? The London Humbug, of course. B.A.H. Humbug, to be more precise. Mr. C. Yes. Sell me some glad bags, Tom. (laughs) I loved watching Happy Days marathons as a kid, so I immediately recognized Mr. Humbug's voice. Yes. Yeah, he's got such a distinctive voice because I'm like you. We watched Happy Days all the time. I forgot about the glad garbage bag (laughs) spokesperson, but that's so true. Those those are the only two things I've ever seen or heard him in. But so like it once once you hear him in this, as soon as this bug, this humbug talks, you go, oh, that's him. It's so recognizable. Yeah. Uh, another thing about this special. So, December 23rd, 1978, it makes his first debut. The next night in Japan, it was telecast because Rankin Bass outsourced the animation to the Japanese studio Topcraft, the predecessor of Studio Ghibli. Right. Yeah. And it, it definitely has the same look of other traditionally animated Rankin Bass joints of the 70s, including Twas the Night Before Christmas and The Hobbit. But right. it. Definitely has a few of those almost anime influences, at least from a 70s perspective, that kind of sneak in here. And, and I'll touch on them as we get to them. But I really liked the animation. And uh, uh, if I may throw down a Christmas gauntlet here, I, I prefer the stop motion Rankin and Bass to the classically animated. Oh, yeah. The, uh, the, they also did the... What is it? The mouse one that is what is it? Was the night before Christmas? The night before Christmas. Sorry, Uh, I that animation is okay. This I think the animation in this is a far step up from their other animated work. I think this looks really good. Yeah, it's um, you can definitely see they're kind of honing in on that craft again. Right. Which is nice. And it'll only improve once they start getting into regular TV series in the 80s like Thundercats. So we're headed in that direction. Mm-hmm. You mentioned The Hobbit and like some of the character designs are even kind of similar. Like oh, yeah. Fred's uh, nephew Fred, you know, looks a lot like Bilbo to me. He does. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, and there was another show that they did um back in the 70s i forget what the name of it was it was like the Rankin bass oh the festival of family classics yes um that i'm real familiar with and uh so it's got that kind of feel to it too so like okay. i agree with dj that like the stop motion stuff is the classic like the best stuff to come out of Rankin bass but i really do have a soft spot for uh for their 2d stuff too mm-hmm. 
and our star in the role of Scrooge, but 15 years before officially being a grumpy old man, is Walter <laughs> Matthau. Away, away with you and your infernal Merry Christmas. It's Scrooge! Christmas! Humbug! And he looks like Walter Matthau in a little Scrooge cab, got a reddish nose and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it definitely, they used, they drew inspiration, pun intended, uh, after, after Mr. Matthau. The one thing is a little bit, if you go into kind of the, the comments or the trivia around this special, there are some fans that are a bit divided that Scrooge doesn't have a, a, a British accent. Did, did that bother you at all? It did, but I didn't notice it until hearing Bob Cratchit talk for the first time because he also doesn't have a British accent. Uh, Bob Cratchit is played by Sonny Melendrez. Oh, look, Mr. Scrooge, your nephew Fred is coming to pay you a call. What's that fool want? I like him, sir. His smile warms my heart. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame radio personality Sonny Melendrez. Anyone familiar with him? Mm-mm. No. So I don't know his radio career. I know him from a really early Disney Channel show for toddlers called You and Me, Kid. And I'm talking really early Disney Channel from 1983. It was one of those toddlers play with their parents and other adults in brightly colored jumpsuits on an empty soundstage. <laughs> I have a very faint memory of it, but Sonny Melendrez was the host of that. Uh, but yeah, neither of them has a British accent, and they're not even attempting one. I'll give it a pass when it's Mickey or Kermit, because they're recognizable characters playing the part. Yeah. But they both were paired with Scrooges with accents, <laughs> authentic or otherwise. Here it seems out of place. You're right. I mean, you can. I got over it, uh, and it's not like I went, ah, oh, humbug, I can't watch this, but <laughs> it's... I mean, I, I, the, when you think about it and once you bring it up, you go, oh, that's right. That was an, sort of an interesting choice. But I think Matthau's fine. I mean, he sounds like he does. Yeah. He, he's, it's, I mean, he's not really affecting a different voice for the character in any such way. <laughs> no. But uh, I think he's good. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I guess I'll reveal right now that I'm not fully on board with Mathal as uh as Scrooge. Um <gasps> <laughs> so his his not having an English accent is kind of the, the least of my worries. Oh. But uh yeah I don't know you know I, I can I can accept him okay in the role but if uh if I'm gonna do that then I just I, I gotta take the whole package and he is just completely just you know being Walter Mathal. He yeah he kind of is like it's it's definitely Walter Matthau as Scrooge not only in the way they draw drew him but in the way he's acting um, naturally he sounds like a cogety old sinner but right but I don't know there there's something there that's not quite right but uh yeah, yeah. he's no singer either that Walter Matthau no he's not but well he gives it the old college try. <laughs> yeah, he gives it the old Mathau try. I'll tell you that. Yeah. There, there's a there's a few people in the cast that are not really singers, using air quotes. But I'm sure we'll get to that. We will. Well, let's start with the first song. Well, we set up what Michael started out with it, the Holly Ho 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 at the beginning. Uh, it's a cold open with a brief introduction to our story at large. Sing a Christmas Carol, and then we set up the story. 
Uh, the humbug sings a few lines, then delivers the Dickens line, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, followed immediately by a more ominous, until the ghosts came. Until that Christmas Eve, when the ghost came. Uh, you know, I, the Holly Ho song is pretty catchy. I will, I will say that. It's a pretty good little ditty. But I have to go back a couple steps. Mr. Westfall, if you'll allow it. Sure. Is I noticed right at the beginning there, I, I kind of caught this signature move of Rankin and Bass. I don't know if you guys recognize this right when their special start they're Generally you see like snowflake snowflakes falling. Yeah. They seem to have this very common opening musical note of like a flute that does the, it does it almost in, Every one, I actually rewound it because I'm like, now I have no research to confirm this, but it feels like a, a lot of their specials start with that kind of musical note and then it goes into whatever opening song, but it just felt so Rankin and Bath familiar to me. Yeah, now that you mention it, we might have to do a bit of a study here. <laughs> it starts yeah. with that, that, uh, Twittering flute followed by like a stronger horn of some sort, a trumpet yes. or a French horn. And t- every time, oh, they got the beats down. You guys know what I'm saying, so Absolutely. I believe that. Like that, it 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 feels like that something that is always happening right off that right at the start. Yeah, I've never picked up on that before, but you're right. It and it does kind of like put you in, instantly in the mood for oh, I'm, it's Christmas and I'm watching a Rankin Bass thing here. Yes. Hmm. We get some establishing flyover scenes over London during the credits, which are very pretty, followed by a second opening song, An Old Fashioned Christmas. An old fashioned Christmas with snow falling hard. On scenery looking like a pretty Christmas card. This is the point where I've got to say, uh, they, this particular version of A Christmas Carol, they really put the Christmas in The Christmas Carol. They do. Like, there is a lot more mention and iconography of Christmas than I remember in the kind of the other versions of this. Yeah, they well, they do seem to shoehorn in some, which we will get to a bit later. But yeah, right out of the gate. Brings us out of the merry streets of London and into Scrooge's counting house with this old-fashioned Christmas song of people just singing and playing outside. We got someone building the snowman. Uh, Bob Cratchit's inside, like, waving his uh, arms like he's conducting a band and he's dancing (laughs) with the humbug. So that's a thing here. The usual cast of characters acknowledge the existence of the narrator, which doesn't always happen. Yeah, the narrator seems to be a very familiar trope of the Rankin and Bass stories, but him actually or her participating and talking and with uh, with the other characters that that's new. Yeah, maybe Sam the Snowman. I, I think he does a little bit of that, but most of the time that is not the case. Sort of. When Sam does it, he kind of says that a. Well, it's a good thing Rudolph came to me and I set him on his way or however he put yeah, it. I don't remember, that's right. but yeah. That's right. it, 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 it was off screen, wasn't it? Yeah, it's still secondhand story from him. 
Yeah. But, uh, but here you actually see them interacting. Uh, and it's not long before in comes Scrooge's nephew, Fred, voiced by Dennis Day. I talked about him in an earlier episode this season on Frosty's Winter Wonderland, where he was Parson Brown. I mentioned Disney's Johnny Appleseed. That's that guy. Either of you have another particular Dennis Day point of reference? I kept thinking I'd recognize him from The Hobbit, but he's not in there, so I don't. I don't know. Like his voice sounded really familiar to me, and I've seen that uh, Frosty's Winter Wonderland a bunch of times, so that's probably what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, same with me. Like his voice sounded really familiar, but I couldn't place it. It must have been Frosty, I'm guessing. Okay. Well, Fred and Scrooge sing a back and forth song called Humbug, which I like a lot. It works really (laughs) well establishing Scrooge's disgust of all things Christmas. What we don't get here are the two solicitors because these two are just going back and forth with their Humbug song. Merry Christmas, Uncle Scrooge. Humbug! Oh, be merry, Uncle Scrooge. Ha, 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 ha! What's so merry on Christmas Day? The merry money you throw away. The merry bills you have to pay. When you say Merry Christmas, I say bah! It's a great song. It's I, I would say this is one of my favorites. Really? Oh? Okay. <laughs> do it. Yeah, well, I, I don't it. know. <laughs> I, um, there's some funny rhymes in it but i don't like like the one that you mentioned at the beginning of the show g joe like the uh, yeah uh, something about a dumb bug and i mean <laughs> rhyming with humbug and and yeah i don't know i don't know like i i really truly enjoy like several of the songs in this thing but this is not one of them. It's, uh... <laughs> i wouldn't say it's the strongest it's not my favorite either but it i i like the 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 tone it sets that's what I was going to say. It's uh, it's not my favorite of the show, of the special, but I think it's a really good, uh, in terms of capturing tone and creating really early on, uh, establishing character. I think it's a, it's a okay. really good way to do that. Okay. Especially this Walter Matthau Scrooge. It's definitely a yeah. Walter Matthau Scrooge song. Yeah, that is very true. A very just, specific thing. He's just very, very cranky, this guy. <laughs> Well, after Fred leaves, we jump directly into Scrooge conceding to Cratchit's day off for Christmas, but not before an almost weepy guilt trip, which I don't usually see from him. He's like, oh, you'd have me in the poorhouse. <laughs> yeah, he talks him out of uh, getting paid for Christmas Day. Yeah, uh, but he grants him the holiday and later leaves to the tune of Humbug singing our title track. How can anybody be so stingy? So stingy, so stingy. How can anybody be so stingy? He's the stingiest man in town. And we get this great montage of Scrooge actively being a cheap jerk to people around town that I'm not used to seeing. He he makes a stop in his usual melancholy tavern, a scene that's more often than not cut for time. So we can just get Scrooge home. But here we see him stop in and get a newspaper out of the trash and stiff his waiter. Yeah. Uh, yeah his waiter's waiting for a tip and he hands him his dirty spoon instead. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, the, he is He is so cheap. He ticks off the, the dogs and the animals during this song. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, but then my favorite part, he stops 
at a street vendor selling hot cross buns or something. He takes a bite, uh, hands it back, sort of makes a yeah face as he walks off, prompting the vendor to angrily toss the bun at him, accidentally scoring Scrooge with a freebie. <laughs> just, they really went out of their way to show that Scrooge isn't just stingy with his money. He's a cheapskate to everyone around him. Yeah, totally, right. Then we finally get to Scrooge's home, and there is something about this version of the door knocker turning into Jacob Marley's face that has stuck with me. This is my favorite version of that scene. It's it's really effective, uh, I, I think. I think the whole Jacob Marley design is great. Mm-hmm. I think it's very atmospheric. It's creepy, but it still works within... Um, the world of the cartoon. It doesn't seem out of place. It's, I think it's really, I think it's really cool. Yeah. The Marley face on the door knocker is amazing. It's like, it's super scary. It's like his jaws is like gaping and it's like got spittle, like <laughs> yes. hanging from the top of his mouth to the bottom of his mouth. Um, and then as Zijo was saying, when he actually appears as the ghost later on, like he's very creepy and spooky there too. Uh, but I noticed like even the not Marley face door knocker is pretty creepy. Like this, this Scrooge's door knocker is like a human head with like the knocker coming out of its ears. Like even when it's in its normal state, which is terrifying. Interesting, <laughs> interesting choice of decor, Mr. Scrooge. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Marley knocker looks more sinister than it probably should, but I love it. Uh, and that oh, yeah. leads us into a commercial too. You're like stuck with that. Kids got to process that as it goes to like toy commercials. <laughs> yeah. You're finishing the musical bit. Uh, the musical cue as it kind of slowly fades to black. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when we come back, we've skitched Scrooge going upstairs or the doorbell or everything all together. We're back to the cold open where he was getting into bed and Marley appears out of this growing shadow as the candlelight at Scrooge's bedside turns supernaturally green, which I thought was a nice touch. Yeah. What do you guys think about that cold open? Like, cause it, like if this is your first exposure to a Christmas Carol, like it spoils the, uh, the story, right? It, it, like bah humbug, B-A-H humbug, Comes around, and he says, "I want to tell you the story about the the most pleasant guy in all of London, and Mister Scrooge." And and he knows you're supposed to be like kind of horrified by that description. And he goes, "Oh, you're surprised that I described him that way." And then he kind of backs up, like you said, and he and he now are telling the story up to that point. Um, but uh, um, I I actually quite like it. I mean, I'll just say that. So it's uh, it's a different way of doing it. But yeah, if this is your first version of ever seeing the Christmas Carol, it's kind of, uh, I don't know, taking some of the dramatic punch out of it, maybe? I don't know. But that's Spoil- curious, I guess. <laughs> Spoilers, perhaps? Bug? Uh, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. <laughs> I didn't think about the spoiler part of the beginning, but yeah, you drive a good point. Uh, but now that I think about it, I can't think of anyone who made this their first version of a Christmas Carol. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Very interesting. No, what uh, what I liked about the cold open was humbugs until the ghosts came. More stories yeah. setting it up like a ghost story, please. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but between the knocker and that and Marley's attempt to frighten Scrooge into believing he's real and not a figment of his imagination by enlarging his head in a suffering moan. Yeah. 
<laughs> those yeah. Appear, yeah, those appear to be the top craft touches, putting their little personal touch on Rankin Bass's usual style, and I am here for it. Yeah, these are those little touches that feel different than the usual 2D animation of Rankin and Bass. Mm-hmm. Like when that happened, I was like, whoa, that stylistically was very different, but it's, once again, it's very effective. Oh, yeah. Well, I also love the kind of sickly green candle flame yes. in that whole thing. It's just, it, it's very unnatural, which it kind of represents, you know, like we're, we're kind of like in a, in a, the space between like the living world and the dead world or, or something. I don't Ooh, know. It just yeah. it's, lends us really crazy eerie atmosphere mm-hmm. to it that I really like. Yes. Yeah. Eerie's the appropriate word. I, I think for sure. That's, that's exactly the tone. I think is, which is why this version stuck with me, even though it was so hard to find and I haven't watched it nearly as much as the others, but I'm glad I hung on to it. Mm-hmm. I help myself to money. <laughs> Instead of helping my neighbor. Uh, the voice of Marley is Theodore Bickle, best known to me as Zoltan from My Fair Lady. Uh, but on Broadway, he originated the role of Captain Von Trapp in The Sound of Music. Uh, and he, in this special, sings the spooky I Wear a Chain. I wear a chain, a heavy chain is bound. chain of sin and vices that I could not control. <laughs> this, not a great song. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I know he's one of the Von Trapps here, but it felt like he was singing off tune. It just was like he was behind the music. This one, not one of the highlights. This is what my son makes fun of because um, we watch this version quite often. We also watch the the Basil Rathbone version quite often in my house around Christmas time. And and whenever this one comes up, David's just like, "I wore a chain." <laughs> uh, kind of legendarily bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he's more actively warning Scrooge in this one, almost begging him to repent more than a lot of other adaptations I've seen. We even get the scene of the army of tormented spirits out the window and they're all chanting, repent! Yeah. Another yeah. Good, yeah, that's cool too. I like that. Um, Theodore Bickle, like what I, the other thing I know him from is he is uh, Aragorn in Rankin Bass's Return of the King adaptation. Oh, okay. Aragorn. Interesting. Aragorn. It's yeah. been a while. I'll have to rewatch that one. I'll, <laughs> I'll find a way. Uh, but to the repent chanting, Scrooge slams his window shut and hides in his bed, leaving the humbug outside with all the ghosts. So he starts banging the window to let me back in. But at the stroke of one, in comes the ghost of Christmas past. Ghost number one of two, voiced by Paul Freeze. You had just formed your partnership with Marley. Your business was new, but your ways were set. Good old Paul Freeze. Yes, sir. <laughs> but this, that's an unusual choice for a ghost of Christmas past, because it's usually to describe it as being of indeterminate age and gender, appearing both old and young at the same time. So quite mm-hmm. often this role's played by a woman or a young boy or a cricket. <laughs> uh, 
here in part because it's Paul Freeze, he's clearly an old man. <laughs> I'm not saying it's unwelcome. It's just different. Yeah, it yeah. is a bit of a different choice. I think um I think Freeze is a bit more successful with the Ghost of Christmas present oh, once yeah. we get to that. Agreed. What I will say, uh, that's a point for this design of Ghost of Christmas Pass. It's the candlehead design, but more of a glow radiating from his head, and he's even holding a very large cone cap, true to the mm-hmm. Dickens description. Right, right. And he's smaller in stature than uh, than Scrooge, which is also accurate to Dickens. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of crickets, much like Mickey's Christmas Carol, we skip Scrooge's childhood altogether and head right to Fezziwig's, where we meet Belle, again, the only brightly blue-eyed character in this universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's voiced by singer Shelby Flint in her first of two acting credits ever. Ever. The other being in Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. She is Laney in that. We talked about that earlier this season. And we barely spend any time on Fezziwig and his wife, but we spend two whole songs with Belle. Right. The first is Golden Dreams, a duet with Scrooge's younger self, voiced by Robert Morse, who, if you remember our episode on the first Easter rabbit, he was stuffy. He was the Easter bunny in that. So that's an interesting sound coming into this. I want to build a cottage. We can't afford it yet. But when I've made my fortune, what mansions we will get. I only want a little cottage with children playing on the floor. But darling, love flies out the window when poverty comes through the door. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Interesting song here. It, it feels at the same time, I know this is a special from the 50s, but they really made it sound like it belongs in the 70s and it's stuck there. This is the thing. I'm, I'm going to say something that's potentially not controversial at all, but the, the Christmas Carol story is I think it's it's not generally one of my favorites I've got to say I think it's a bit there's a bit of a challenge with making it feel kid friendly right because it's a very it's a, it's a much deeper story oh yeah you know it's got romance and melodrama and it's spooky I think that like in this romance that we're touching on here with this song and with Belle, some of this stuff, if you imagine watching this as a kid, you're, I think you're, most of you are starting to lose a bit of attention at this point. Yeah, this and this is the place to do it when they're talking about their dreams for their marriage. Right. You got right. Belle and the young Scrooge singing about their wildly different dreams for their future. Belle wants to get married as soon as possible, live in a small cottage, and have a bunch of babies. Scrooge wants to hold off getting married till he's more financially secure, so financially secure, that he wants to live in a golden mansion with just his wife and no children. Right. This right. is an interesting scene, y'all, as they're showing them their kind of daydreams. 
It, it, yeah, like that's what I was like. This one, I I, I was kind of glazing over, but I just kind of <laughs> kept thinking that this is an animated special. This is a really, and I, I get it. They're they're lifting and doing an ad- adaptation of a live action, a just specific live action version of this. But this is one where I'd be like, we could have made a creative change or a choice to maybe have this clipped from it. Yeah, you could have cut this on. Yeah, it just doesn't feel really appropriate for the world of Rankin and Bass or just but even just child Christmas special fare. Yeah, because it, it is appropriate for the original version, which was kind of more like here's for the whole family. It's not necessarily directed at the kids, but mm. like this is definitely a scene where like maybe send the kids to the kitchen for some popcorn or something and <laughs> mom and dad could watch the the singers <laughs> talk about it because in, in the original version it's very kind of lavishly staged and it's 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 pretty cool but yeah this is something that like if i had been in charge of rankin bass i would have i would have just trimmed this scene right out i wonder if they were just they bought all the rights to these songs and then they decided well we better get our money's worth let's put them all in yeah yeah but we, get, we said we were gonna do it we've got to do it we got to do the whole thing <laughs> that's what the lawyer said <laughs> well and they're filling out an hour-long special too that uh you know, you could have trimmed this out and, and you probably would have had to trim out some other things to make it a half hour show. But um, yeah, they added a talking bug. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that. Exactly. See, that's where it's they're they're trying. There's this delicate balance of going. You're leaving in this melodrama romance with Belle, but then you got your wacky bug narrator. So it's like this blending of two worlds. I, I think for me, the one that the. The I think the Muppet Christmas Carol is the one that does it most successfully. Oh yeah, where that as far as making telling that story where kids can really latch onto it, I think that is the most successful version of this. I like this version, but it just feels a little schizophrenic in places where you go. Don't forget about the talking dogs and the wacky <laughs> bug narrator. But meanwhile, let's have this like dreamy song about the our both of our views on marriage like it's so (laughs) this song even upsets the old scrooge in the special (laughs) but he now has to stand there and watch another christmas as bell breaks off their engagement and we get the second song with these two it might have been And we actually see a montage of what might have been in Belle's cozy cottage with two kids and a Christmas tree. What I don't like about this montage is how it ends. It's a split screen of Scrooge sitting back down at his desk and Belle running crying through the street. Then, with a crashing wave of time, they both flash into their older selves. Scrooge is still at his desk, but Belle is a sad, frail old woman wandering alone now. We don't often see old Belle in these adaptations, but that's not what she's supposed to look like. She's supposed to be this happy, comely matron with many grandbabies. So right. Didn't right. like yeah, sad, skinny old Belle. Yeah, because in the novel, like she, the, you do get a sense, a, a, a glimpse of her future self, and she is married and has lots of kids, and she's like living the the beautiful life that Scrooge could have been a part of, mm-hmm. but but opted out of. 
Yeah, and they've chosen to go with, let's go to Almost Dead Bell. Let's let's show that. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Scrooge, does Scrooge use the cap to snuff out Christmas past here like he does in the story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought I remembered that. It's kind of cool that they, it, I don't remember if it actually shows him like grab it and stuck it on the guy's head, but I, I know it goes from like, he's got his hands on the guy's cap and then you see him like snuffing out the candle next to his bed. So like the, the, the metaphor is clear. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They kind of zoom in on the cap. Well, cause the cap was big enough. It was the same size as this candle, but yeah, they did this clever zoom trick where it's just the candlestick next to him. Mm-hmm. It's Chekhov's candle cap. Yeah. Our show will be back after these messages. Looks like it's pickup day in more ways than one. George there is using a glad three-ply trash bag from the number one name in trash. And Joe's using your typical bargain bag. Or was. Give me strength. Try glad three-ply. They're reinforced. In fact, glad three-ply resists punctures past the average point where most bargain bags fail. It's the strongest regular trash bag we've ever made. It is stronger. Yes, we're number one. We're tough, and we're glad. We now return to our show. Well, we come back from commercial, and it's time for the Ghost of Christmas Present, also voiced by Paul Fries, in a voice somewhere in between his ghost host and his Santa Claus. I am the Ghost of Christmas Present. Come and know me better. For you have never known the likes of me before. Otherwise, it's a spot-on Father Christmas-looking ghost with the green robe. But he takes his torch and he shoots fire at the Christmas tree. (laughs) (laughs) But instead of setting it ablaze, it brings all the ornaments on it to life. And they start singing and dancing this song that goes, Listen to the song of the Christmas spirit. Can't you hear it? Can't you hear it? Listen to the song of the Christmas spirit ringing in the this is yeah. the earworm of the episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, this one, this one and Holly Ho are the earworms. This song feels right at home with uh, many of the other Rankin and Bass specials. Mm-hmm. And I love that he also shoots his flame at Scrooge, making him tiny so he can dance around with the uh, the various ornaments and toys. Yes, he shrinks him to the size of the humbug and a mouse in a bow tie takes him by the arm with a bunch of toys <laughs> dance around him and oops, we're in the nutcracker now, I guess. <laughs> what uh, is happening giant, in this scene? The giant mouse terrified my wife, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> oh, just the idea of a giant mouse in a bow tie coming and grabbing you and dancing. Oh, it's like, dear. Yeah. Oh, yep. As someone who's had to deal with rats in my garage at one point in my life, I can relate to that. (laughs) Well, in the middle of this, Scrooge gets noticeably happier as he starts dancing with Humbug, and then the gigantic ghost of Christmas present scoops the two up off the floor and throws him out the window. window, (laughs) Yeah, it does. Uh, this is how they end up flying to Bob Cratchit's house. Pretty usual scene here, except it's mostly the kids talking smack about Scrooge instead of his wife. They're even going, Mm -hmm. boo! My, but Santa was generous this year. Not at all like Mr. Scrooge. Boo! Except for Tiny Tim. Except for Tiny Tim. Right. And this is once again, Michael um, May, you had you mentioned kind of the similar creative styles of the Hobbit. I looked at Tiny Tim and I'm like, 
he looks like an elf to me. Like he's a complete <laughs> there. I mean, his, I, I I'm convinced his ears are pointed for when you look at him <laughs> in some scenes. <laughs> he is drawn with little matchstick legs. And yes, I, I finally figured out that that was supposed to be a brace on one of his legs. But I seriously thought it was a robot leg for most <laughs> of the scene. I have that, a note here that says Tiny Tim has Lieutenant Dan's magic titanium legs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you guys noticed that, too. Please, let's just continue thinking that he has a robot leg. Let's, yep. That just makes this infinitely better. Robot leg, Tiny Tim. <laughs> I'll get to more about Tiny Tim later, but uh, with the with the other, his siblings kind of jeering Scrooge, that doesn't leave Mrs. Cratchit with very much to say or do, but her voice is Darlene Connolly, who was also in Rudolph and Frosty the following year as Mrs. Claus. Poor darling. If only we could afford the proper doctors for him. It's so unfair. I sometimes give up hope that he'll ever get better. But I'll get to the kids' voices in a minute, but here's where they shoehorn Santa Claus into the story. But again, this isn't Rankin Bass's fault. This is from the Alcoa Hour special, so they added it here, too. They had the song, might as well use them all. So Tiny Tim says some other kid said his toy soldier that he got for Christmas is not from Santa, that Tim's dad painted an old clothespin to look like one, and his sister Martha sings to him, Yes, there is a Santa Claus. There is a spirit in the world of generosity That brings good things to all of us, whoever we may be So I believe in Santa Claus, for it can't be denied That he is generous Personified. Yes, there is a Santa Claus for children everywhere. This is an this is a nice enough song, but it feels really out of place and yeah. unnecessary to me. It's th- this is you you have to kind of shake your head and go, this is about Scrooge, right? Like did. Uh, what I Santa? We have to have a full Santa Claus song. I mean that that it just feels really inserted in for kind of no reason. This is the first of two back-to-back songs that just feel super out of place, but this one more so because of how they led up to it. And usually, I don't think they talk about Santa Claus or Father Christmas or whatever at all, really, in a Christmas Carol. But I have some terrible news about the kid playing Tiny Tim here. Oh, jeez. He was a child actor named Bobby Rolofson who died in a motorcycle crash on his 16th birthday. Oh, jeez. About six years after this. Oh, man. Uh, The middle two Cratchit kids are also here. Peter is Eric Hines and Belinda is Stephanie Callie. Both have showed up in other Rankin-Bass things as random kids. But then Martha, who sings this song to Tiny Tim, is Debbie Klinger of the Klinger Sisters, the self-proclaimed first all-girl rock and roll band. (laughs) Better known to me as Super Chick from the Croft Super Show host band Captain Cool and the Kongs. Oh my goodness. Which sadly was before my time. (laughs) 
Next, we pay a visit to Scrooge's nephew, Fred, at his Christmas party. We don't see them play yes and no, but he does toast to Scrooge's health. He's even got Scrooge's portrait on the wall, which I thought was a weird touch. Did y'all notice that? I did not. <laughs> I did. I was sort of like, was that a, did Scrooge give him that and said, please put this up? <laughs> I'm related to you. This needs to be in your house. Not a revenge for all those ties. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Something to remember me by. (laughs) Uh, Well, and to that point, uh, this is when Scrooge starts to feel remorse. He tells a ghost, he gave me a gift and I tossed it away. I never understood such things. And here's where we shoehorn in the other bigger Christmas story, as the ghost explains, but gifts have been a part of Christmas since the very beginning. He motions to a nativity scene under the tree and then throws it to the humbug to sing the birthday party of the king. Christmas trees are brightly lighted Through the world the church bells ring Great and small are all Invited to the birthday party of the king. Because who better to sing about the Christ child than Father Dowling? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you pulled that one out. <laughs> wow, that's a good deep cut. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, This is the point when this song came on, I'm like, Okay, are we are we jamming in every aspect of Christmas into this special here? I was expecting the next song to be Melakaliki Maka is a wise wingle What else can they have in this thing? Why did Ray Kibass never do a Hawaiian themed Christmas special? I didn't. I feel, I feel like we missed out now. They bought the wrong Bing Crosby song, man. <laughs> yeah, they could do like Christmas Island with the Andrews sisters. Like, oh, you could, that they, would be yeah, so man. good. They gambled on Christmas in Killarney, and then they were like, "That's the winner. That's the one we want." <laughs> Christmas Island. That's that's the name of the show right there. Man, jeez, someone make that right <laughs> now. <laughs> Wasted potential. I I had this. Uh, Disney Princess Christmas album for the girls where Ariel sings Christmas Island. Oh, that's... I'd like to hear that, actually. (laughs) It's not bad. She has another song about Christmas in the Ocean, which is much worse, uh, with Sebastian (laughs) as a backup, and it's got a Jamaican vibe to it, and no. (laughs) No! (laughs) This is Rankin Bass's excuse to bring in their stained glass artist. They first did this in Cricket on the Hearth, and it's a nice touch. Mm-hmm. And this, maybe not so much as the Santa Claus song, but it's still absolutely shoehorned into the Christmas Carol adaptation. But I don't mind it as much as the Santa Claus one. It's short, it's sweet, it reminds me of my own family's Christmas parties. My late grandmother always called her Christmas parties, Happy Birthday Jesus Parties. No, I, I agree. I, I I think this one is less obnoxious than the yes, there is a Santa Claus sort of, and it goes, and that's a bit more of a, a a bigger production, as you kind of noted. This one, I think, on the heels of the Santa Claus song, feels a little like, come on, everybody. But if this, if they just had this one, it wouldn't feel as bad. I agree. It's shorter and sweeter. Yeah, it wouldn't feel out of place if it was by itself. 
I'm going to stick up for the Yes, There Is a Santa Claus song, but I'm not okay. going to do it yet. Um, but the original show, there's a reprise of that song that makes it kind of worthwhile, I think. Okay. But, uh, we can maybe talk about that towards the end when the reprise would have come in. Okay. I guess for me, at least, this didn't catch me as off guard as we're going to talk about Santa now, but I guess it's yeah. because we had that blow first. Uh, well, I could talk about it now. I, it, do it. So, sorry. Um, so, the end of this one is a little bit different from the end of the, the Alcoa Hour one, because in the Alcoa Hour one, um, Scrooge goes back to the Cratchit's house, and that's kind of where the big finale is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you don't have, like, the scene the next day back at Scrooge's office. Oh. And um, so, as Scrooge, he, he, he shows up at the Cratchits with presents and the turkey and all that kind of stuff. And somebody starts singing Yes, There Is a Santa Claus. Um, but this time it's clearly about Scrooge. Oh, and because oh, okay. the whole point of the song, even in the, the first version is like, you can be Santa Claus yeah. like, when you show love to somebody. And so in that version, like Scrooge is, he has kind of become Santa Claus to this family. So it's a little, it's more touching. It kind of, it feels kind of like a deeper part of the story in that version than it does in this cartoon. Right. Cause I think once you add in that level, then the, the inclusion of the song just makes a lot more sense. Right. Here. It just feels like we're 30 minutes into this. We should probably get to Tana. Like, <laughs> oh. That would have made this so much better. In this, it's just, well, the ghost of Christmas present kind of looks like Santa Claus. Let's superimpose yeah. a picture of Santa on the flying ghost of Christmas present. Right, right. Yeah, and that's something else I'm not crazy about, just the character design in this. Um, because in most versions, the ghost of Christmas present, you know, there's some Santa qualities to him. But he's got like a red beard. or He's like a younger kind of a character. Right. And in this one, they're clearly trying to show, oh, this is this world's version of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it do- and for us nerds, it doesn't help that <laughs> it's Paul Freeze's voice. Like it's no, inescapable yeah. that you go, this is Earth 2 Santa, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Scrooge segues from the birthday boy to what about that other boy, Tiny Tim? We get the vacant seat line and another song called One Little Boy. And the ghost takes the position of using Scrooge's own words against him here about decreasing the surplus population. They work that into the song. One little boy is just a dot in all the human race. What? One little boy is just a spot upon the planet's face. And when he is no longer there, a million take the place of one little boy. What one little boy can sing a song and have a world of fun. And yeah, it's our fourth song of Christmas present, but I thought this song was very effective in showing Scrooge is already on his way to redemption. Yeah, I agree. My son pointed out, though, that when since we cut out the charitable solicitors earlier, Scrooge never actually had that line in this version. Right. Hmm. Yeah, he had That's to kind point. of he kind of had to back up after saying that is like you thought that once 
because mm-hmm. he never actually said it, so he had to explain it to us. And during this, we sort of get a dream sequence of Tiny Tim running in a field with his robot legs. <laughs> That's where I noticed it. This scene where he's running around on him. Um, if only he could have fought Bigfoot and uh, man, fought, like that's million dollar man, <laughs> <laughs> or his legs could have like transformed into wheels to like or something for. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's how a Christmas Carol ends. We can rebuild him. We have the technology, and Scrooge yes. gives him the means. <laughs> then the film bot go up. <laughs> Well, at the end of this song, we're back in Scrooge's parlor, and Humbug explains, who, what next? And it's time for Christmas yet to come. So, as I said, we had four songs during Christmas present, two in Christmas past, five before that. Suddenly, we get to the future, and nope, sorry, we're out of time. <laughs> we rush through the future. Mm-hmm. No one sings in the future. No. That's what the, that was what they were. <laughs> that was the guess for the uh, the future. Well, the, yeah. they, I mean, it's there's the, no one has the time to sing anymore. It's just bullet points. Hey, there's the ghost in a cloak with a clammy looking hand. Hey, here's old Joe in the laundress. There's Satan. There's <laughs> we skip over the morning cratchits entirely as Scrooge asks, well, who are they laughing about? And we zoom right in the Scrooge's headstone in the graveyard. But as Michael just said, here's another iconic scene that I remembered and had stuck in the back of my brain from this particular version. The headstone morphs into the giant pink face of the dang devil. I can't see the name. Yeah. Wow. That was <laughs> that was a choice uh for for sure. Yeah, the, um that's going to stick with a kid. There's no question about that. <laughs> that that's the point where I said, "Oh, this studio became Studio Ghibli." There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I always forget that happens in this cartoon and it always surprises me. It's pretty effective. Yeah. Uh didn't yeah. quite scare me as a kid like Disney's fiery nightmare hell pit did but it's the same message and Walter Matthau sells it as best as Walter Matthau can until his bedroom fades in around him and Hunbug opens his eyes first and has to kind of nudge Scrooge to open his like oh hey we're back he calls out to the window to the boy he gets to buy the turkey for the Cratchits and the boy is voiced by Walter Matthau's son Charles Matthau what day is it it's Christmas Day in the morning, sir. Christmas? Then I didn't miss it. Go on, who'd miss Christmas? He's a yeah. He's a, a little bit older than uh, t- this boy usually is in other versions. Yeah, he's he post puberty here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Christmas Day, man. <laughs> <laughs> the one as big as me. Wow, that's a huge turkey. <laughs> Humbug gets in one last joke as Scrooge gets ready to head out while still dressed in his nightgown. I must do my Christmas shopping without your pants. Uh, Followed by Tiny Tim. And yes, there is a Santa Claus, which we talked about earlier. But here, Scrooge doesn't show up at the Cratchits. He heads to his nephews, which is true to the original story. Mm -hmm. And to that end, we get a more traditional end back at his office with Cratchit. And that's where he raises his salary 
But Cratchit in this one, instead of immediately accepting the repentant Scrooge, asks, but what about that being bad for business? And we get our closing song, Mankind Should Be My Business. Mankind Mankind should should be be my business. business. (laughs) Mankind should be my trade. I realize it is my business to give my fellow man my aim. And that's one to grow on. (laughs) (laughs) It's NBC. It fits. (laughs) I also mentioned that the uh, the charitable solicitors do make an appearance in the montage. Yes, because we're sent out with a montage of him giving back payments to everyone he was a jerk to during that earlier montage from the Stingiest Man in Town song. Here's where they slide in the solicitors, but if you blinked, you missed it. Right. But he also gives a match girl his coat and a pile of coins. He orders a feast at his tavern and tips his server with a pile of coins. Uh, uh, He buys buns from that street vendor for a group of kids. He even feeds all those dogs that were growling at him. (laughs) They tie up every loose end. (laughs) Tiny Tim sees us out with a God bless us, everyone. And as the Cratchits and Fred and his wife join Scrooge at the end here. And out we go. Out we go. Indeed. Yeah. It's a, it's the, 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 the final scene feels really appropriate and fitting, but it does deviate from what, what my normal kind of expectations of a Christmas uh, Carol story. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did like the, um, the cyclicalness that they did go and wrap up that montage from way back in the beginning where he went and kind of uh, paid back everybody that he was so stingy to at the start. I thought that was a nice touch. Right. Any final thoughts on the stingiest man in town? I enjoy it. I enjoy the uh, the animation style. I, I really enjoy a lot of the songs. Um, and even though Walter Matthau is a very strange choice to play Scrooge, like I'm a fan of Walter Matthau in general, so I don't really mind it. I just, as kind of a Scrooge aficionado, <laughs> there are much better Scrooges in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, but B.A.H. Humbug, like, that's just, he's a treasure, man. I just, I love the addition of that dumb little talking bug. <laughs> Well, it's so Rankin and Bass to have that. Uh, right. It's uh, this is uh, I will uh, fess up. This is the first time I've ever watched this uh, oh, wow. for the for for this show. I'd never seen it before, uh, and I'm going to agree with uh, what you just said, Michael. I, I I think it's a really good version of a, a Christmas Carol. It's very song heavy. Uh, and some of them are better than others, but I liked the majority of the songs. And I, I, I'm going to agree with you that I think the animation and atmosphere is top marks uh, in this. Uh, I, I, I think it's a, a pretty solid version of The Christmas Carol. Definitely gets my recommendation. Uh, again, it's super hard to find online, uh, but it is out there on Amazon on a DVD that it's with a bunch of other things in a collection called Rankin Bass TV Holiday Favorites Collection. You get this, you get the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, you get Pinocchio's Christmas. Guess I'm going to have to have you two back to uh, close out the uh, 
set here with the Little Drummer Boy Book Two. The the drumming, yes. Uh... <laughs> Drum harder. <laughs> Drum harder. Drum harder. That's that's better. Uh, I guess if we have to do it, if we must close the loop, it will have to be done. It'll be a while. But for now, if people want to take you out Christmas shopping without their pants, where can they find you on the Internet, Michael May? Uh, so michaelmay.online kind of aggregates all of my different podcasts, but I will point people at Sleigh Bell Cinema, which is my Christmas movie podcast. And as you mentioned earlier, my wife and I did do a conversation on the, uh, the Basil Rathbone version of Stingiest Man in Town last year. So that's out there for people to listen to. And DJ. If you like the sound of my voice, you can hear me on the classic film jerks and pop culture retrofit podcasts. Just search on anywhere that you get podcasts for those two shows or look on the uh, social media platforms for both of them and you'll find me. And you can follow this show on Twitter at Advent Calhouse and find show notes at AdventCalendar.house. Thank you two for joining me for the, this one. Oh, thanks for doing it with me. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I, I don't think I can talk about Christmas legally now without you two being on a show with me. <laughs> well, <laughs> book that after lunch now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have already thinking about ways that we could do something for Christmas here, like uh, working Christmas Island. So <laughs> Perfect. So see you all in a couple days. For now, for Michael May and Michael Giovanni. From the middle of the dance floor of a bunch of sentient Christmas ornaments, this is Mike Westfall saying, Beware of the icy patch. Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, located conveniently at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Greetings, holiday shoppers. I'm Joseph Wade, and I host a podcast called Christmas Creeps. My band of merry mischief makers and I dissect holiday movies and specials all year round in search of the true meaning of Christmas. So whether you can't resist the urge to watch Home Alone in June, or you worship at the altar of mutant killer snowmen, Christmas Creeps is the podcast for the Grinch in all of us. Check us out at christmascreeps.com or wherever you download podcasts. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Season's greetings! (laughs) 